This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. I've been so encouraged this morning already uh, with Kelly, her prayer, and everything that you guys have said so far. I could just go home uh, if we would just... Listen and obey and uh, take to heart what's already been mentioned this morning. That would be enough. Uh, But my task this morning, I'm going to share a few things. Uh, One is I want to answer the question, why are we here? And I was thinking, you know, more of, you know, in general of why are we here, but why are we here this morning? And I I thought about in Hebrews 10, it says that we should consider how to stimulate or provoke or to spur one another on to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I, I want you guys to think about that's why we're here this morning, but then bigger picture, like why are we here on earth? Why are we still here? If we're saved, why didn't Jesus just call us home? So uh, I got a little outline. We're gonna, our main text that we're going to be in is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, I know we, we stand and read for the Word of God. I'm going to be all over the Bible, so we would be up and down all morning. Uh, so I'm gonna, we're going to wait on that. We'll read that text uh, here in a little bit. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with kind of bigger picture. I, I've got an outline. I want to answer these questions. So, of course, why are we here? Why? Who, how, and when. And I could stand up here and I could really talk you guys into doing something. My mom uh, has been in sales her whole life. I could sell you into doing something. But I've really been praying that the Holy Spirit would literally go forth and stir something in your inner soul that would change your heart and change your life. I want to invite you into the mission. Everything that you are searching for can be found in the mission of God. And I I just got back from Nepal, so I spent 14 days there with the team. And I don't know if you've been overseas, but when you get back, you have a a holy conviction and a, uh, just an excitement that comes uh, about, and I, I pray that that's not too much for you this morning. So I'm going to try to tone that down as much as possible, but I want to, to quickly walk through from beginning to end of Scripture, and I want you guys to see why you're here and your role on this earth. So if, if we were to go back to the beginning in Genesis, we're told to be fruitful and multiply. 
So we're, we're men and women made in the image of God, and he commands us to be fruitful and multiply. Well, we keep reading what happens. Sin happens. We mess that up. We start distorting the image of God, and we're starting to multiply wickedness. So then God decides, to, he finds a righteous man, Noah, right? We, we're wiped out, the flood happens, he starts over. What's he say? Same command. Be fruitful and multiply. We're to continue the same command. And if we keep reading... It happens again, right? We're starting to build towers. All these things happen. We're scattered. All nations are created. And if you were to walk through the entire Old Testament, if you look at Isaiah, if you look at the Psalms, you'll see a pattern that God wants to happen. He wants his glory to be made known and multiplied through you, through people. That's the plan. There is no plan B. And when I was in Nepal, you know, I, the beauty of the mountains and the scenery, we, we went to Kathmandu and then we went to some different villages all throughout and it's breathtaking. Pictures do not do it justice. I, I could not describe it. That would do justice to the glory of God's creation. And as beautiful as that creation is, that's, it just shows God's glory. Never once has it mentioned the name Jesus. Because that's a privilege that we get to have. So, insert Jesus. He comes, he models out a lifestyle of discipleship. He's training men and women for the mission. As we have read, he gives our final charge, the Great Commission, where he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And then he tells us how. Baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything he's commanded. The best part, he says, he will be with us always as we do that. And then in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Does it say just to Memphis, Tennessee? No. You will be my witnesses. And then he lays out Judea, Jerusalem. And just so we're clear, he wants us to be sure to the ends of the earth. So the whole world... Fast forward all the way to the end of Revelation. 
we see the fulfillment of that happening where all nations, tribes, language, everybody's brought together worshiping the Lord. So we're in this time in between and we get to be a part of that happening. So this morning I, I want to invite y'all into that mission. And I want you to see that you have an amazing privilege and responsibility for the mission of God. So let's, let's, uh, let's go to our main text. It's going to be 2 Corinthians 5. And if you want to stand as we read God's word together, I am going to start in verse 9. I'm reading from the NASB this morning. Um, so I will, I'll start. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, our aim, our goal. Whichever translation you're reading, that's, I just want you to think about, like, is your life, is this your life passion, what we're reading right now? Whether at home or absent, he, he previously talked about that we're, we're, we're camping, we're in a tent, this is not our home. So he, he says, whether to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord, uh, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be compassed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us or compels us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, now there's a lot of therefores in, in this chapter, and I was taught whenever you see a therefore, we need to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? So therefore, in light of everything he just said, if Anyone is in Christ. Does anybody's translation say, therefore, if the pastor is in Christ? Or the missionaries in Christ? Or the elders are. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new 
creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And we got the great exchange that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You can be seated. I'm going to pray one more time. Uh, God, thank you for your word. I pray that your word would go forth and not return void. Lord, I pray that, uh, like it talks about in Mark 4, that the soils of our heart would be open and ready to receive your word, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to us right now, that you would provoke us to love and good deeds. God, we need you. We cannot do this without you. Lord, we, we ask right now, do a work in our heart. Remove all distractions where we can just listen and glean from the word and just hear what you have for us this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to cast that vision of the whole Bible from beginning to end, and we're here on Mission Sunday, and again, I've been so encouraged uh, seeing all the flags. I've got friends in a lot of these countries right now. Um, Just, we really, there is an urgency that is needed through the body of Christ. He read stats globally, and I want to paint that picture globally, but I also want to take us here where we are, uh, and there's an urgency in the greater Memphis area. I want to paint that picture for you guys. The last stats that I saw, uh, if we took in the greater Memphis area, so Shelby County, DeSoto County, like the greater Memphis area, there's about 1.4 million people. Can anybody guess the professing number of Christians within that 1.4 million people? Anybody? The last stat I read was 400,000. Out of 1.4 million. I first thought, gosh, that seems really low. There's churches everywhere, as Mr. Matt mentioned. And I, I think if we really dig even deeper, that for many that's more of a, a political stance. 
because we're in the South, right? You've got to be a good Christian. But let's assume that that's actually the right number, 400,000. That still leaves over 1 million people that, if this book is true, are lost and on their way to an eternity separated from God. We do not have time to play games with our life. So I want to call you to deny our comforts, our careers, our homes, our money, our passions, our hobbies. And I want to call you into the will and purpose of God. And I want your heart to break for what breaks God's heart. We pray that our Father, that the Father's heart, like Jesus says, hey guys, pray this way. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in order for there to be a kingdom, there's got to be a what? There's got to be a king. And what else does the king need in order to be a king? He's got to have a place to rule and reign. And he's got to have people. He's not a king if he doesn't have those things. And if he is our king and our Lord, the king has orders that he wants done in and through the people. That's how this is structured. That's how this is set up. We have that privilege. So it, it would be enough just to say, why are we to do this? Just to say, well, because he commanded us to do it. That would be enough in itself. The great commission to go and make disciples is not a suggestion. It's a command. But if that weren't enough, our text in 2 Corinthians, we have a new identity. My two oldest are over there, my sweet uh, oldest, Lindley Grace, we, we did an experiment with a, a butterfly. We, we got this cage, and it had, uh, where you, you get to watch the process of the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And it's really cool, but we were showing them how a new creation happens, and we see this process happen. There's a new identity that we possess. And that we have a new charge through that identity. So, if you look at the text again, it says that 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So I want you to to picture you. You are a new creature. You have a new identity. If you have surrendered to Jesus, you have a new identity. Okay? Because of the gospel. And it says that, if you keep reading, that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Is, I mean, if we could just grasp the weight of that, the responsibility and privilege that that, that is, the ministry of reconciling lost people to God. So that, that's why we have a new identity. We have a new purpose. Now, let's, let's talk about who. So who, who are we to do this with? Uh, there is a term in the Greek called oikos. And if you're not familiar with that term, uh, it, it means household. Uh, for us, it, it may be best described as a relational network. So we all have a unique responsibility to our relational network. You are the, the instrument God chose to be Christ to all your relationships. So if we went around right now and we were asking everyone this week, describe your relational network and all the people you're going to come into contact with. So I want you to think about what that looks like in your life. So think about your job, your family, your friends, your passions, your hobbies. That is your responsibility. I'm not going to step into your relational network and reach those people. I wish I could, but it's your responsibility. So I want us to start switching our paradigm to seeing that everywhere we go is the missional environment that God has us in. If you look at the pattern of Jesus' ministry and then you look how that's lived out when he's gone through Acts, you'll see a pattern of how the kingdom of God operates. Mark 4, if you take notes, Mark 4 26 through 29 uh, is a great example. But God's word says that the kingdom of God is like a farmer that goes out and scatters seed. Night and day, he goes to, to sleep, right? He, he, he rises, he sleeps. He, he doesn't know how, but the seed sprouts up and this harvesting, sickling thing happens. But he doesn't know how that happens. So if I could paint that picture, that is how the kingdom of God operates. We are farmers. We are the ministers of reconciliation. We enter into a new field. We scatter seed. If you continue looking in Mark, we know the seed is the word of God. 
The gospel goes forth. People respond to the gospel. This sprouting happens. This is our discipleship field. This is teaching everyone to obey all that he's commanded. And then this gathering happens, like what we're doing now. We gather together to repeat the process. So the process, the kingdom of God, is to continue to operate this way. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up in just gathering and praise the Lord for gathering. But if we're not careful, that's all we'll do. So we have a bigger purpose than just gathering. So there's two types of people. There are people you know and people you don't know. So we talked about the, the people you know, and we kind of talked about the people you don't know. We going out and sharing people door to door. I know that's very scary to a lot of people, so we're not going to uh, tell you you have to do that. But I really want to focus on that oikos, your relational network. That's, that's what I really want you guys to, to think through. Who do you know in your life right now that is far from God? Can everybody come up with people that are far from God? Again, think about your work, your passions, your hobbies, your family, your friends. There are people that are far from God. So I want you to really think about that. If you look at Scripture over and over again, Paul did this, uh, the disciples did this, the beginning of Jesus' ministry in John 1, Right, we we've got John the Baptist. He introduces a couple of his disciples to Jesus. We've got Andrew and John. Andrew immediately gets his brother. We we see Philip, hometown, uh, gets Nathaniel, his friend. Like over and over, the strategy and method of Jesus. Look at it yourself. Read the Word, and see the strategy. In John four. The woman at the well. She goes back and tells the village. In Luke 8, the demoniac, he goes back, tells the town. In Mark, uh, Matthew takes Jesus to a party, introducing him to his household, his relational network. In Luke 19, Zacchaeus does the same thing. In Acts 10, we got Cornelius and his household. In Acts 16, we've got the jailer and the household. In 1 Corinthians 1, we've got the household. Over and over throughout Scripture, we see the movement of the kingdom of God happen in and through people and their relational networks. That is the primary strategy that was modeled for us over and over. So again, I, I want you to just to look at your own and start with people you know. 
Think of, I want today before you leave here, I would love for you to have five people that you could write down, put in your phone, that you already know that are far from God. And just start thinking about what would happen if one of them got introduced to Jesus. Because guess what? They have five people that they know that are far from God. And you see the spread of the gospel. So pray for those people. Make a map. Think about what that would look like in your life. How are we to do it? How are we to use that network? Well, we have to share our story. We have to share God's story. I uh, am an evangelist at heart, so I, I see everyone as lost, and, and want, I just want everybody to know Jesus. Uh, I think I've imparted that uh, to my kids already. Their heart just breaks for people that don't know Jesus. And I pray this morning that that would happen to you. So we need to share our story. And it's really simple. You can just ask them, can I share with you how I grew close to God? Have a simple spiritual line that you can throw out and ask people. You see Jesus do that all the time. He starts in the natural world, and then he swings it spiritual. So we need to do that. Uh, when you go out to eat today or this week, there have been so many people that have come to faith that are servers by just asking the question when they bring you your food, hey, we're going to pray over our food is there anything we could pray for you about? I've had people just break down, weeping, crying, where God was already doing the work. God's doing the drawing. He's already, he's, he just wants us to walk in Ephesians where it says that he has prepared the good works for us to walk in. He's already prepared them. We just have to walk in them and be obedient in that. So with, with your story, just think of a word that would describe your life or two when you were far from God. So there was a time in my life where I lacked peace. And then you would share the gospel. And then the opposite of that world, because of Jesus and the gospel message, now I have peace. So it's simple. It's, you can do this in a minute. Uh, you can just share that story, or you can share the full picture of God's story from beginning to end, from creation and sin entering and, and how we need uh, Jesus. So that, that is some how uh, we're to do it, and when, when are we to do it? There's an urgency that we've talked about. So would you would y'all commit to doing that this week?
Would y'all commit to reaching out to someone that you know this week and just, just sharing how Jesus changed your life? Whenever I, I see this happen and I'm in a part of, of trainings with bodies, if people are, are obedient to this, God moves. And you hear so many amazing stories of God working in and through the people. Now I want to just share uh, a few of the key terms of an ambassador. So if, you, if you're looking at 2 Corinthians, this whole idea of an ambassador for Christ. Like, literally, we undertake an embassy. An ambassador represents the monarch from whom he is sent in all matters relating to his mission. An ambassador is a a minister of the highest rank, employed by one prince or state at the court of another to manage the concerns of his own prince or state and representing the dignity and power of his sovereign. He's sent to do what the sovereign would himself do if he were present. They are sent to make known the will of the sovereign. At all times and in all countries, an ambassador is a sacred character and his person is regarded inviolable. He is bound implicitly to obey the instructions of his sovereign and as far as possible to do only what the sovereign would do were he personally present. They are to make known and to explain and enforce the terms on which God is willing to be reconciled to people. That is our job. That is our role. We're not to negotiate on any new terms. We are not to change those terms that God has proposed. We're not to follow with our own plans or devices, we're simply to urge and explain, state the terms on which God is willing to be reconciled. So, our purpose here on earth, why are we here? Go back this week and and read it for yourself. Don't just trust what I'm saying. We talked about the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done. Mark 3.35 For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. Over and over, Jesus is explaining this. Ephesians 5.17 says that we are to not be foolish, but to understand what the will of the Lord is, 
So we're to continuously seek God and know and obey his will. So we don't, foolish means literally like unthinking, like sometimes we don't even think about it. We can just go throughout our day and our week. So he's saying, don't be foolish. That there are, there are many that are hesitant to embrace this privilege because of sin. So, in 1 Timothy 2, we know God's desire is for all to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. So that is, that is his desire. In and through the people. I want to read one, uh, one quote that I really like. If God's primary purpose for the saved were loving fellowship, then he would take believers immediately to heaven, where spiritual fellowship is perfect, unhindered by sin, disharmony, or loneliness. If God's primary purpose for the saved were the learning of his word, he would also take believers immediately to heaven, where his word is perfectly known and understood. And if God's primary purpose for the saved were to give him praise, he would again take believers immediately to heaven where praise is perfect and unending. There is only one reason the Lord allows his church to remain on earth, to seek and save the lost. As the Father has sent me, he declared, I also send you. So therefore, believers who are not committed to winning the lost for Jesus Christ should re-examine their relationship to the Lord and certainly their divine reason for existence. Fellowship, teaching, fellowship, and teaching and praise, as amazing as those things are, are not the mission of the church, but are the preparation for the church to fulfill its mission of winning the lost. And just as in athletics, training should never be confused with or substituted for actually competing in the game. Which is the reason for the training. You guys, I, all have to answer the question, 
Is Jesus worth it? Intellectually, I know we would all say he is. But what if he calls you to do something radical? Like where is the line in your life that would be too far for you to go to follow Jesus? So I, I have so much that I, I would love to communicate with you guys this morning and so much in here, but I want to encourage you to go read it. Read the Father's heart, God's will and purpose, and why you are here. It looks different in all of our life. We all have different ways that that is going to look. Again, I'm an evangelist at heart. My wife, Brittany, is not. Uh, She has an amazing gift of hospitality. So as a family, as a missional unit, we try to come up with ways where we can live that out together. So we have friends over that are far from God. We, I have friends, we have friends, my, my kids make friends that are all far from God, and we bring them into our home. Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs, atheist agnostics so there the the mission field is ready it is needing laborers and i just want you guys to see that we're all parts of the body working together for this mission it looks different in all of our life but we're all meant to work together in this amen So, why are we here? We're here to spur you on to love and good deeds. The mission of God will answer all of your deepest needs that you're searching for. People join small groups, churches, friend groups, athletic teams, uh, they join all these things looking for community and they very rarely get it. But if you go on mission together, you get community every time. And there is a huge need in our back. I know lots of the ministries that, uh, that are on your bulletin, we've, we've partnered with most of them. And they, the, they would tell you as amazing as the resources are, we can all raise money really easy. The need is people. Money does not change people. People do. And if you were to ask them one of their biggest needs, they would say volunteers. They would say that. I know... One that we partner with specifically, they see 800 kids a day in the, the darkest places of our city. And we are light, and we are created for darkness. 
So I, I hope that this morning that, that you would, again, like, like the word says, that your aim in life, your goal, is to be pleasing to him. So is your life's passion, is, is my life's passion to live pleasing to the king? Is that your life's passion? I'm going to read the scripture one more time because the power is in the word of God. Amen? I could stand up here and and tell you all kind of different things, but if this does not compel you, there's nothing that I could say that's going to last and impart in your life. So I'm going to read it one more time as I close. If you guys want to stand again, uh, I want you to, to just clear your mind. Let's stand and remove the distractions. If you're convicted right now, let that be a holy conviction that, that does not push you into shame. Let the gospel just go forth in your heart and let that be the motivating factor of the, the love of God. Let that compel you. So listen to this or read it as if you've never read it before and you're a new creation. You're a new creation. Starting in verse 9, therefore we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may be recompensed for our deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone 
is in Christ. He is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of of God in him. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.